0: In a previous episode, I mentioned about the old timer down south who gave his grandson some advice about learning that there was book learning, people listening learning, and peeing on the fence for yourself. I didn't tell you that I grew up on a dairy farm. We had to keep those cows in a pasture, and my father did it with a thin wire, the thickness of pencil lead. Through that wire ran up to 10,000 volts of electricity, plenty to put the fear of God into a thousand-pound Holstein. In fact, if you didn't cut the grass under the wire, it was known to start grass fires. At about the age of six or seven, I decided to give that pee on the wire thing a try. Real bright. In fact, call me the whiz kid. It worked. I only did it once, and as you've already figured out, I didn't grow up to become an electrician. In our last episode, we looked at the life of Solomon, certainly more than his legacy as Israel's third king was God's statement he was the wisest man who'd ever lived. As we've mentioned in earlier episodes, the Bible states that God picked up the writers and carried them along by his spirit as they wrote. What we have in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon are three books of wisdom from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, carried along by the spirit of God. That's impressive. All three are in the genre of poetry As I mentioned in the Songs of David, poetry in Hebrew is not rhyme or meter like in English, but is parallelism, where phrases repeat or contrast the previous phrase. Solomon's first book of wisdom, the Proverbs, are written in that format. He tells us clearly in the beginning of the book, this was written to his children, wise sayings of book learning, wise sayings from his years of living it out. And as we learn in Solomon's story, Wisdom coming from him, peeing on the fence for himself. And boy, did he. Solomon's purpose is clearly stated. These are to be wise, general truths for his kids living life skillfully. This will be some of the easiest literature in all the Bible to read and understand, because you already have a built-in genre filter for proverbs. You already know many common proverbs, like, The early bird gets the worm, or an apple a day keeps the doctor away. General practical truths for life. Like the early bird getting the worm, those who get up early with a jump on the day usually have a significant head start or advantage over others. And those who eat well, whether that's an apple a day or just their general diet, normally visit the doctor less than those who binge on junk food. However, that's not always the case. The early risers do not always get ahead. Clearly, some listening to my voice are not morning doves. You're night owls. By 10 o'clock in the morning, your second brain cell comes on with the help of coffee or some Mountain Dew, perhaps. And there are those who have great diets who still get very sick. What's my point here? As you read the Proverbs, they're general truths you would be wise to live by. However, they're not guarantees. That's really important, so let me repeat that. The Proverbs of Solomon are general truths for wise, skillful living, but they're not guarantees from God. I'll have a conversation with a parent, usually of an adult child. They unpack how that adult child has kind of gone off the rails, is making some really bad decisions, and the parent is taking it very personally. Often I'll hear them pull out a verse from Proverbs, Train up a child according to his way, and when he is old he will not stray. I did everything I could with this kid. I prayed for the child while he was still in the womb. I took him to Sunday school and church. We tried to live the real thing in our home. I even put him into a Christian school or university. And now the kid's gone completely the opposite direction. These parents feel like they've fulfilled their side of the contract as best they could. And God hasn't fulfilled his side of the contract. There are other parts of scripture outside the Proverbs that I pull up to encourage those parents, like Paul's writings in the book of Philippians. For I am assured that the one who began a good work in your child will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus. That's more of a promise. But train up a child is a general truth, not a guarantee of God. You'll see throughout the Old Testament, and also in the New, quality parents doing the best they can do not guarantee a child will follow in their steps. However aiming those little arrows well will more often than not have them end up hitting a better place on the target. I have one day in my course to convince my students how important Solomon's book of Proverbs is to their lives. Here's how I do it. I go around the class and assign each student with one chapter in Proverbs. I tell them, don't read it, just open your Bible to that page. Then I do something I would never advise outside this class. I tell them, When I get to your chapter, I want you to close your eyes and point down at the page and read the Proverbs that your finger is pointing to. I further instruct them, a few of the Proverbs are several verses tied together. If you point at one of those, read the whole thought. Again, please don't do this in your own study of the Bible. Remember, every text should be taken in context. But for this exercise, it really gets the message across. I'd invite you to do that too. In fact, I'm going to do that right now for you. I just opened to Proverbs 16. Finger down. It's better to be poor and godly than rich and dishonest. Then I turn to 19. A false witness will not go unpunished, nor will a liar escape. 19. A lazy person sleeps soundly and goes hungry. Proverbs 20. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Proverbs 5. So now, my son, run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and hand over to merciless people everything you've achieved in life. The context is, don't get lured into a relationship with an immoral woman. I'd say that's true of a immoral man, ladies. Proverbs 6. If you've trapped yourself by your agreement, the context is co-signing alone, and you are caught by what you said, quick! Get out of it if you possibly can. Translation, don't cosign alone. And if you do, beg to get out of it. That was just five or six random proverbs. I do this in a class of 20 to 26 students. We get through almost every chapter. And by the time we're finished, man, do they have an aha look in their eyes. We read proverbs on money, friends, relationships and sex, work and laziness moderation and excess it's really quite extraordinary then i challenged them with this what would happen if starting today you read the proverbs chapter of that day of the month today is the 17th if i read proverbs 17 and what would happen if you did that every day until you became your teacher's age i'm 60. over the course of their lives until they were my age they'd read every chapter of proverbs 550 times I suggest after reading Proverbs 17, 550 times, it would be stuck in their mind and in the fur of their soul, and I suggest if they applied it even partially, it would make a huge, huge difference. Proverbs is appropriate to even irreligious people. It's just plain distilled wisdom. It's learning from a book, so we don't have to experience the 10,000 volts of learning the hard way like I did as a kid, but only once. As we learned in Solomon's story, Solomon was better at articulating these things than at living them out, which leads to his second book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes, The Diary of a Grumpy Old Wise Man. And we'll pick up that diary and examine it in our next word picture.